30 years ago, for me, I was in seventh grade, the beginning of a new chapter, possibly a whole new book, a liminal event. My dad had brought home a couple of cassettes he got from a friend. I listened to it on my Walkman while washing dishes. I would then listen to it again, unfolded pink-purple J-card in my hands while I tried to decipher the partial lyrics and under-enunciated soulful baritone. It's not a time I look back at fondly. Hormones, depression, acne, unrequited crushes. For me, there is no potential to fall prey to rosy retrospection for this period of my life. Although it is a curious coincidence that the cover for the album 10 looks like what the world might look like through rose-tinted glasses. Five years later, and it's the beginning of senior year in high school, another liminal phase. I drove across town to Tower Records on lunch period and bought the no-code vinyl. Returning for the next class, student council, I was senior class president. A joke that got way out of hand. I had the record in my backpack because there was no way I was about to roll the dice on what havoc the heat inside my parked car might wreck on the second ever Pearl Jam vinyl I had come into ownership of. I let one of my friends take a peek at it like it was some kind of contraband. There were things in my life that were different and the same from the five years prior. Still with the depression and acne, my parents are divorced by this time though, and I did have my first real girlfriend. Hail, hail indeed. There were also differences and similarities between those two albums that had found themselves at the beginning and end of the life cycle of grunge. More incomplete lyric sheets and music that resonated inside my bone marrow. However, polyrhythms, spoken word, and Stone Gossard singing had found their way onto the grooves of this record. Where 10 was the pledge, verses and vitology were the turn, and no code, the prestige. Because yes, Pearl Jam is magic. Where some took the pledge to mean a promise and expected more of the same through the turn, they might view the prestigious no code as a betrayal, a worldview shattered, a nose snatched from one's face. But magic tricks are just illusions, much like how we observe time. We are the needle following along the spinning flat circle to bastardize the Matthew McConaughey true detective quote. The only promise, the only constant, is change. The record will end at some point. What happens after that? Do you flip it over? Put something else on? Is the record going immediately back into its sleeve, or is it just going to sit there for a while? Maybe it'll skip. Or maybe there's a lock groove and my whole metaphor shot to shit. You can like whatever you want. You can have your own favorite Pearl Jam album. You can have a different one for each day of the week. But Pearl Jam is never going to make another album like 10 again. You are never going to feel the same way you felt the first time you heard No Code. We must realize that change is going to happen no matter how much we may fight against it or try to deny it. Change is growing older. Change is neither good nor bad. It's just change. But it is completely in our power to decide if the change is for good or for ill. If we are going to try to make sure the change will help others or only help ourselves. 10 was born from change. The disillusion of Mother Love Bone due to the passing of Andy Wood. One last moonshot at the dream of making it as musicians. No Code was also the result of change. New drummer, new power dynamics and perspective from playing with Neil Young, and also trying to survive the atmospheric pressure that comes from the heights of fame. In five years, the Beatles went from Please Please Me to the White Album, their own self-titled The Beatles. A considerably more rapid and varied evolution in the same span of time as the first and fourth Pearl Jam albums, But you're not going to hear anyone wish the Beatles had stuck to their original sound. Pearl Jam has changed. And you have changed. The world has changed. It's one liminal event after another. And of course, change is scary. Because ultimately, it means you're going to die. And try as you might to try to keep things from changing, to keep time in a bottle on your shelf, 
You can't stop it. You can't keep your children from growing up. You can't stop your favorite television shows from getting canceled. You can still listen to the same music you listened to when you were in high school or college, but you can't expect that they're going to play that stuff on the radio anymore unless it's a throwback or classic station. You can't expect for time to suddenly jump back and you are going to be in the same shoes you were in when you listened to those records as a teenager or 20-something. The earth shifts beneath all our feet. We can try to plant ourselves and decry the movement of the world around us, blocking those trying to find their own paths in the world, insisting we are an immovable monument to a past that must be preserved at the cost of constant upkeep to fight against the natural forces of erosion and progress. Or we can watch and listen, keep our eyes on the road ahead, and let those around us know if we see any trouble on the horizon. We can zip-emerge and be courteous so we can all get to where we're going. You don't have to like change, but it's going to happen. So you need to decide whether you're going to burn it all down in some sort of tantrum, unplugging the record player and taking it away. Or you can do your part to make sure everyone gets a chance to listen to something. You can clean the records off and put them back in their sleeves. Make sure everything is put back in some sort of order so everyone can find what they're looking for. Reach for stuff that others might not be able to get to. Who knows, something you may like might come up that you never would have known about otherwise. After all, when the music stops, the party is over. For everyone.